Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Rewind, the podcast that rewatches, reviews, and responds to every movie, show, and one-shot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Al Rodriguez. And I'm Tony Camarena. And today we are starting off Season 2 of Agent Carter with Episode 1, It because we'd like to go in order sometimes, uh, Episode 1, The Lady in the Lake, which originally premiered January 19th of 2016. Hey, we've made it in 2016. Woo! And as always, here's our IMDb summary. Dedicated to the fight against the new Atomic Age threats in the wake of World War II, Agent Carter journeys from New York to the city of Los Angeles for her most dangerous and bizarre assignment yet. This is more of an IDB summary of the entire season, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> that's, that's true, but you know, it has to start somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they took out the journey from New York to Los Angeles, it could be for the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, yeah. She she's on another mission, which is more bizarre. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and for our listeners who want a quick recap of everything that's happened so far in Agent Carter, listen to the previous eight episodes of Agent Carter coverage. Um, it won't be that quick, but we're not going to rewind a rewind show. We we draw the line there. <laughs> <laughs> we we did talk about that a little bit beforehand. Yep. We were debating. <laughs> All right. So here for an uh. Our first storyline here is a probably better, more specific summary. We start off with Dottie, who is dressed in Peggy cosplay to rob a bank. Luckily, the real Peggy and the SSR are there to stop her. We get a punchy-punchy scene, and Peggy takes Dottie down with a bag of coins to the head. Later, Dottie is interrogated by Carter. Peggy is asking about motive and method, and shows Dottie a pin from the safety deposit box that Dottie tries to steal. During the interrogation, Chief Thompson gets a call from Sousa in L.A., who needs help with a strange case. And Thompson sends Peggy, so, so happy, oh, sends Peggy, and I didn't press enter between my note and the end of the thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, that should be a bullet point. So Thompson sends Peggy, end of sentence. <laughs> Period, you would say? Yeah, I would say. Yes. Oh, okay. Alright. <laughs> uh, okay, so like half of my notes for this episode are basically around this section. So, oh. very first question. Yes. Um, and, bec- and maybe this, maybe I would know this if I had rewatched season one again just before this, but mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't going to happen because we have all the other stuff we gotta watch. Um, why is Dottie dressed like Carter? Did I miss something? Is is there like a is she a fan of Agent she, Carter? Yeah, she's or... just obsessed with her. Cause oh okay, like at a certain point she started talking like um Peggy and when they broke into her apartment when she broke into her apartment, uh she would sit and do like Peggy's accent and stuff. So she's just obsessed with Peggy. Okay, okay. I thought that that other stuff was more like Dottie wanted to, like learn the enemy sort of thing, like what the enemy would do. Not, she just is a super fan. But okay, I guess I was wrong on that. So, all right. Yeah, well, when we get into this stuff later in this episode with Dottie, I mean, spoilers for like 20 minutes from now when we talk about it, um, mm-hmm. she loses her shit when she finds out that Peggy's not interrogating her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was not happy about that one. Okay, you're right. <laughs> um, Yeah, so I'm just really happy that we're back with Peggy Carter because after 13 weeks of Jessica Jones, this is a breath of fresh air. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And not in like, 
not to say anything bad about Jessica Jones, because like that was fun, but yeah. it's a very, very serious show, and this is considerably less. This is the polar opposite in tone. This is like showing how different the MCU can be. Yes. Yeah. This is <laughs> all it this takes is a... seventy years difference, sixty. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely uh, Batman. The 1960s bat- television show versus like, The Dark Knight. It's like <laughs> same universe or same, I guess, premise, but definitely polar opposites. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very, very different. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, she, Peggy hits Dottie in the head with a bag of coins. If this were Jessica Jones, Dottie would be dead right now. That is true. Yeah. Instead, those bag uh, the the coins go flying, and it makes me question if this was filmed to be like an in three D episode because I I was genuinely curious when I saw that again. No, I mean the only they've only had like one TV show that did the premiere in theaters in IMAX, and, and we, we did not see it. <laughs> no, yeah. it's the only MCU thing that's coming out in theaters that I did not see. We'll talk about that sooner than I'd like. <laughs> uh true yeah. anyway mm-hmm. so did you recognize the pin that uh dotty tried to steal no i mean a little bit of me but i don't remember if that was me remembering the rest of the season or something else i'm, I'm guessing it was an Aegis of shield and yeah. i just completely missed it oh what was it it was it's the um one of the older symbols for hydra that when we saw like the Mavith stuff, like that we just covered before Jessica Jones, they showed all the old symbols of Hydra, and that's what the pin is. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So, so Hydra is is the uh, the bad people in this this season. All right. I know. I'm shocked. Aren't you? A, a little. <laughs> I actually completely forgot that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the last thing I have for this section is um. Thompson sending Peggy to L.A. It's because he's the only one there who knows that. He, he, uh, Peggy's the only one in New York who knows that Thompson's a fraud. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I was trying to figure out, like, why specifically Peggy? Because, I mean, he knows Peggy is, like, super useful. And I was kind of thinking, like, why would he get rid of her? Because she's super good at her at her job. And it's not like he's uh, trying to think of a, a phrase for this. Um, I mean, maybe he feels threatened in a way, but at the same time, it's not like it's ever going to really affect him because you know he's in ch- charge of the SSR now, and anything good she does, she's not going to get the recognition he will. So, yeah, wasn't sure, but okay, that that makes a lot of sense. The the whole you know fear of a fraud stuff. Yeah, I mean because she solved the crime last season pretty much, and then she also knows that he. Well, he ran away during World War II? He's not really a war hero or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, I think he he went AWOL for something. Yeah, I already forgot. Yeah. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't skip the previously on Agent Carter, I probably would know. <laughs> uh, oh, you mean at the beginning of the episode? Yeah, at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> uh, I don't think they said it because I did watch it. Oh, okay. 
All right. Yeah. Uh, you ready for the next section? Um, you know, I just have one other thing. Yeah. Um, they were super ready to take down Dottie and her crew. Like there were guns everywhere in that bank, and like, which is cool. So like, it worked. But <laughs> just like looking at that, the um, like pulling them out of drawers. I'm pulling them out of other places, probably. I. I don't know. I just saw a lot of guns. That's it. Just wanted yeah. to point that. Mm. That actually makes me think of how long have they been tracking Dottie and has she knocked over a bunch of um, banks? That's a good point. I thought they said it's been a few months. I wanted to say three, maybe six. I don't know. But yeah, some since, amount of months. Since they've seen Dottie or since what? I think, yeah, since the end of the previous season. Okay. Which I think so, is the last time they saw Dottie. How are they so prepared? Well, they did say that they got a tip. And so they used that to plan the sting, I guess. Okay. So maybe, maybe we'll, we'll find out later it. in the season what that tip was. I don't remember at all. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of how big a part of this season Dottie even is. But I mean, I guess she'll come up back. But I don't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I I remember this episode because i watched it recently next week's episode and i think i remember the season finale pretty well yeah me too i'm about the same way all right (laughs) i guess we'll find out yep all right so i'm gonna uh, oh go ahead oh no i was just gonna say but as far as i'm concerned because i don't remember what happens to Dottie, i assume she dies let's say episode three this is what we figured out in jessica jones like if we don't remember (laughs) a character they're dead Exactly. Hey, so side note, um, since we already covered Jessica Jones season one, um, the two creepy twins. So the guy one died. The girl, did she live or did she die? I don't remember. <laughs> she lived. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, no guarantees about season two, which I don't even know if she shows up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or season three, if she makes it there or not. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I've seen that one much more recently. So, <laughs> same here. I finally finished it last oh, did you? week. Yeah, <laughs> or two weeks ago. So very recently. Anyway. All right. All right. Um, next section. I'm just going to finish up the whole uh, New York section before we go to the main story. Yeah, sounds good. So later, Thompson continues the interrogation. It goes poorly. His second attempt is interrupted by Red Foreman. I mean Vernon Masters, the head of the FBI. They go out for a drink. Masters lets Thompson know that the pin belonged to a powerful people who like him who like him for stopping Dottie's crime. I see we had the same note on Red Foreman. Yep. <laughs> like, hey! You can't see him as anything else. <laughs> nope. I The thing is Oh, he was in Robocop. <laughs> I'm like, I he know was. him from something else too. <laughs> he was also in Rambo. Uh, you know, I've never seen a Rambo movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, although, I was in the theater recently, and the trailer for Rambo Last Blood came out, mm-hmm. and I laughed out loud. The rest of the theater, <laughs> no reaction. I thought it was just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Because I still haven't seen the, the trailer, but given the gratuitous violence that the previous one had, 
Mm-hmm. I'm expecting this next one to also be incredibly over the top. But um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it better be. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not against it because uh, both mm-hmm. the Creed movies have turned out really well with uh, Sylvester Stallone being really old. So mm-hmm. that's true. But yeah, but he also took a side character type of yeah role in that. Right, he wasn't the main. I mean, yeah, he's he... still Rambo, still the lead. Yeah, um, Killmonger was the um, <laughs> the lead. And then Stallone's in Guardians 2. I don't know his name in that. Yeah, that's true. Right. So maybe anyway. he'll, he'll get a bigger part in 3. Yeah, you're right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it so, connects. Okay. It, that's what we're doing. <laughs> it connects, guys. <laughs> um, okay, so when... And I already forgot the character's name. So when Red Foreman busts in mm-hmm. and gets Dottie... Um, Agent Chad Michael Murray says this is a federal investigation. Um, So is the SSR a federal thing? U.S. federal? Because, I mean, they they were an allied force during the war, right? I'm just kind of wondering where that worked. Is there a line distinction between, you know, war stuff with other countries versus now they're just U.S. based? Yeah, I'm wondering if... Because I don't know, but hypothetically, there might be a difference between federal and military. Mm Because the military have their own police, I know that. They're military investigations and military tribunals, so I figure there's something separate than the federal. Right, but the FBI is are are the people who are taking Dottie. They're they're definitely federal. So, well, I'm I'm wondering why Jack said you know as the SSR, hey, this is a federal investigation, why are you oh. interrupting and taking Dottie? So That's true. You're right. That that does not make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I understand why the FBI would have jurisdiction. I <laughs> don't understand why the SSR thinks that they can outrank the Federal Bureau of Investigation by saying it's a federal investigation. <laughs> exactly. They have a yeah. few, full bureau for that. No, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, and I was just wondering, because, you know, as we see other things with um, you know, we, we see in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, pretty regularly that they'll have to, you know, spar with other agencies and things. And, um, you know, it's always interesting seeing where their lines are, kind of. So it's um, very weird and different. So just kind of seeing into the, the world, right? In the MCU, mm-hmm. like, well, how does the SSR work? What can they or, or what don't they do? So, yeah. Anyway, that's it. It's all I had for that. Yeah, I actually find it weird that the SSR was even a thing after the war. You think they would have dissolved it immediately? That's true. Then again, they already had an organization set up with resources, so why not just keep it going? True. I mean, what now that brings up the question to me, what did they do before the war? Did they exist before the war? I mean... Well, I mean, I was thinking from yours um, saying that they had resources, so I figured they were around before the war. Because, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, if they were a wartime program, I think they would have dissolved right after the war. Although this is only two years after the war. It's not exactly a long time. That's true, yeah. I mean, the, previ- well, the previous season, like the season finale was basically, a, it was, oh, it was V-Day, right? It was a, no. a year after V-Day. It was a, yeah, a year after, V-E-Day. Or VJ Day? One of those days. <laughs> uh, VE was in May. VJ was... August. August? Okay. Yeah. 
I don't know if it matters. No, I don't know if it matters too because I still don't know which which celebration they were celebrating at that <laughs> time. Because the episode aired in like January or something. Yeah, so that didn't help us. Yeah. Ex- all right. <laughs> well, you know, one of those questions for the ages that maybe someday we'll get an answer. Yeah. Or not. Well, I think we will get an answer if they existed beforehand. Um, but we'll talk about fair because that's big spoilers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's <Sounds> good. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, Mr. Foreman and uh, Chad Makamari go out for a drink, <laughs> and it's like hinting towards how the SSR when it changed the shield, how Hydra got into it. This is because he's obviously part of Hydra, since they have the little pin thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at Thompson, he's like the perfect Hydra agent, at least if you're thinking Nazi stuff. Blonde hair, blue eyed, lies and runs away. You know, perfect Nazi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Definitely the, the type of uh, person they want to recruit and all mm-hmm. that. Uh, he is uh, very um, career driven, right? He wants to, to be. You know, up there, lead, that kind of thing. Yeah. Alright. I'm good. Other than the fact, I think we talked about this, how heartbroken Peggy is that she, that, or not Peggy, that Dottie is, that Peggy's gone, that the, she throws the table at Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> Which was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, because that was her, I mean, her whole thing too was to say, hey, uh, I'm not scared of you. Right, mm-hmm. and it worked because he was definitely scared of her after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, and this proves kind of like whenever someone in a superhero gets arrested, she's choosing to be there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. She needs to make sure she gets that pin because that's what yeah. she was after. Yeah. Why? What does that pin do? I don't know. Other than is it like a coin in John Wick? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, Hydra was very happy that um, it didn't get stolen, and she risked obviously risked getting arrested for it. So it must be important. Hopefully, we'll find <laughs> out in season three of Agent Carter. Oh, fingers crossed. Yep. All right, moving on. All right, sounds good. <laughs> It's the hottest day of the year in Los Angeles, and Daniel Souza is called in to investigate a frozen lake. Frozen inside this unmelting ice is a victim of the Lady of the Lake Killer. Dun dun dun! <gasps> I I have one note for this. That it seems like something uh, Donnie would do from Agents of Shield, but I don't think he was alive yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um. Also, the year is nineteen forty-seven. That's it. Yes. I just wrote that down as a note because it said it on the screen. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. That I, I knew that when I heard this, and the one thing I know about 1947. Okay, two things I know about 1947. It's two years after World War II ended, mm-hmm. and the other one is the um, the Roswell, New Mexico crash. And I thought before the season started that it would have something to do with that, but I don't think it does. Oh, yeah. I know one other thing about 1947. But I'll bring it up later when we talk about our sponsor. Okay. Right. I thought maybe Agent Carter takes place at that time. 
No, no, I didn't. I already forgot that. Yep. Damn. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm looking at my next section. I have the note saying 1947. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we agree too much. We got to start arguing. God damn it. <laughs> Alright. Uh. Next section, because that was really informative. Mm-hmm. Peggy arrives in LA and is greeted by an old friend and a new one, Edwin Jarvis and Bernard Stark, a flamingo. Jarvis asks Carter to allow him to accompany her on her adventure because he is very, very bored. <laughs> so, California complaints, 1947. Avocado and everything, palm trees are ridiculous. Bad drivers, and it's too hot. Nothing has changed in 72 years. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, okay, so they keep bringing up the whole dry heat thing throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Are they complaining about the dry heat, or are they saying, well, it's hot, but at least it's a dry heat? It's not a humidity heat? They're doing or are they both. just complain? They're doing both, because that's a common thing, like cliché about california it's like it's hot but it's a dry heat not like those smucks who live in florida but um they're complaining because it's still too damn hot which is what i complained about <laughs> okay got it yeah. that, that's that's what i couldn't tell in the episode because <laughs> we, we hear like three people say the same thing but i didn't know what that was okay works for me yeah i think jarvis was complaining about people like those people are saying it's a dry heat like that changes anything it's still hot <laughs> well it's not as hot as a humid heat i can say that one. <laughs> and so and you're I saying say that at least it's a dry heat <laughs> yes yeah yeah i was back in uh in california in june uh-huh. it was pretty hot but i but, could breathe and yeah. i was good with that and you weren't sticky that's my yes you know, I've only been to Florida once, but that's my uh, abiding memory of it is it was sticky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. exactly. Um, so. Also, uh, last weekend, uh, my grandmother's birthday, her 80th birthday, so we had family come in from across the country. And my cousin um, and her husband came from Indiana, and her husband had never been to California before. So he was taking picture. He took a picture of himself with a palm tree. And everyone else in the family was rolling their eyes. Because <laughs> <laughs> ah. you know you're a Californian or Floridian, probably Hawaiian as well. If you hate palm trees, I mean I have nothing against palm trees, but I, yeah. did you ever live in a house where there palm trees like on the property? No, never where they were on the property. Ones where they were nearby, about yeah. a block away. But... Um, I I have, and uh, the palms during a storm would fall and damage your car. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I hate palm trees. <laughs> okay, that that explains Jarvis's uh, complaint about the structural integrity. Yep, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true, okay. all of it. All right. So Peggy arrives at the LA branch of the SSR. She proposes the idea that the frozen lake and the murder may not be connected, only coincidence. Carter, Souza, and Detective Andrew Henry of the LAPD head to the coroner's office, but find that she is still frozen and somehow glowing. Back at the SSR, a scientist tells them that the only thing that could cause its freezing and glowing is contact with a type of uranium. Peggy deduces that the victim came in contact with a particle accelerator, 
They head to the closest one, an Isodyne Energy. So, so Peggy says this. Maybe the frozen lake and the dead body aren't the same crime. And it made me wonder, is freezing a lake a crime? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think so. Because you have to have something has something has had to occur for us to enact a law to make it illegal. It could also be one of those. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say unintentionally freezing a lake or freezing a lake in the middle of summer in LA probably hasn't happened before. (laughs) That's that's true. But it could also be one of those laws where like this other thing is technically true. Like freezing the lake specifically, not bad. However, freezing the lake somehow damaged the wall and now the lake is leaking. (laughs) That's still a destruction of public property. That's true. It's true. Hmm. But that's all I've got. Yeah. No, you're you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now I want to know. Like, I want someone to build a freeze lake device and then go freeze a lake in LA w- with no bodies in it, of course. Just throwing that out there. Well, I don't think that's possible. I'm pretty sure every lake in LA has bodies. All right. Well, then never mind. Yep. <laughs> I have to find some other lake. Something in Canada, but those already freeze naturally. Already frozen. Yeah. All, all uh, 365 days a year, I'm pretty sure, if I'm to mm-hmm. believe Canadian stereotypes. <laughs> so, uh, we find out that even with heaters, that she's frozen. <laughs> and my first thought was, um, this might be another one of Howard Stark's inventions. Like, a never, a never melting ice cube for his drink. And then this woman <laughs> swallowed it on accident and just froze. <laughs> oh, one of his uh, bad babies? Is that what they were yeah, called last bad season? bad babies. Alright. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much potential in those. He's such... He's he's so bad at it. He's a really good inventor, but he's also really bad at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. You, you gotta get better at, at uh, marketing, right? Yeah. So, um... Dr. Samberly, the doctor who tells him about the uranium and stuff like that, he is really disgruntled. He is not happy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, no one invites him out or anything like that. I actually start thinking before I finish this episode that he might be a suspect in this. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. I didn't think about that. But yeah, he is... um... I, I mean, his story is going to come up throughout the season, I assume, right? Because he's got to have his whole complaint, and then he has to become a friend of someone, or at least, you know, befriended in some way. That's the yeah. usual trope. That is a trope. Yeah. yeah, I assume so. I mean, they wouldn't talk about how mad he is unless they're going to bring it up. Although, this is a pretty campy show. They might just do it for the laughs and never bring him back anyway. <laughs> That's true. Poor Sam really. Yeah. Died alone. Probably. Frozen to death in 1947. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> in Canada, though. Not in LA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Alright, you ready to move on to the next section? Yeah, I'm done bashing. Yeah, I'm done bashing Canada. Well, don't speak so soon. Oh. 
I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I just don't want to make, I don't want you to make a promise you're gonna have to break later. Alright. That's true. Okay, thank you. It's very kind. Yeah. Agent Carter infiltrates Isodyne Energy by literally walking in and she runs into the exact person who can answer all her questions. She is quickly caught and removed from the building. She finds out that the victim may have had a relationship with the owner of Isodyne Energy, Calvin Chadwick. <gasps> so is there anything else I can help you with today? <laughs> since since you just l- said the entire uh, section? <laughs> yeah. No, it was the freaking receptionist that I feel oh, like Jessica right. Jones would punch 14 times in the face. I would love to see that character in Jessica Jones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's very defensive um, <laughs> of the company, right? Um, yeah. So... I'll probably say this a little bit more next week because mm-hmm. of things, but um, she's she's very like stopping the SSR from going in there, mm-hmm. and kind of wonder if that's that's a bigger part of her job. It's not just you know secretary to be helpful, you know, with people coming to visit. It's more like no, you're going to get paid a little bit more because you're also security guard, and you're just going to stop anyone who wasn't supposed to be there. I figure. I mean, it's, it's 1947. All you need is a, a steadfast woman and a lock on the door and all your state secrets are safe or should be without Peggy Carter. There. I guess that's true. Some people even believe that today. Do they? <laughs> yes. Oh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Peggy Carter's not alive anymore, so they're safe. Ah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> when, she, when she died in 2016... They're like, all right, fire all security guards. <laughs> yeah, everyone's good now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I follow a lot of people uh, on Twitter who do, um, I think I've told you about this before, where their their job is to like break into something and then tell the company yeah. like, you know, how good their security is and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so one person was, was talking about like for starting a new job, they had to, you know, fill out some paperwork and they had to uh, write down the social security number on a form. And um, I forget the reason why, but but they they wanted to you know make they wanted to protect their social security number, and so they just wanted to ask you know the, the person you know what what they do to to keep it secure. And they said, oh no, don't worry about it. You know we we put it into a locked filing cabinet. And they're like, okay, well can I see the cabinet? They're like, yeah, sure. So they walk into the office and it's a you know standard filing cabinet with a very mm-hmm. quick, easy to you know lock pick type of um, uh, lock, but the kicker was that the key was always in it, and so it was always unlocked anyway. <laughs> okay, yep, that's it. That's my tangent story. <laughs> Since we're okay. talking about security, yeah, I think we should keep it to one tangent per episode. Oh crap! Okay, that seems no. Fair. I no, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> we're like six or seven in already. I Halfway think so. through. Oh yeah. Dude, um, FYI, let's see. There's only uh, two more storylines after this one. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to have an ad break soon. <laughs> yep. But anyway, um, so Agent Carter sneaks in very easily. Mm-hmm. And she meets the exact guy who answers all her questions. <laughs> um, Mr. Jason Wilkes, who was in, from the comics, he's in one issue of tales of suspense 
back in 1962. Um, I'm not going to tell you what happens because that's literally a spoiler for the, later in the season. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I'll tell you. Th- I'll tell you this. He he was an inventor, and his storyline goes very close to what happens in the show. If you remember what happens to him. Oh, that's good to know. Okay. Yeah. I always like it when they do that and like you have one character who really was only in one or two comics, but they still have the name around and like, hey, why not? Just mm-hmm. keep you know, something that close to it. That's always it's always a nice Easter egg. Yeah, you always hear this thing, especially when the MCU was starting out with like, you don't have the X Men, you don't have Spider Man. Uh, how are you going to make good movies? And then Feige or whatever producer would say, we have uh, like 10,000 characters to make movies of. They're talking about people like Jason Wilkes, who've mentioned in one issue, and you can't make a whole movie about them. But technically, <laughs> yes, you own 10,000 other characters. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. They could also make up characters too, right? No. They made up Colson. <laughs> yeah, but then they put him in the comics. Yeah, that's so. true. Oh, you're right. When they added Coulson, they said 10,001 characters. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, so she just meets this guy, the scientist, uh-huh. in this place that is suspicious. She, this guy hands her a drink from a mysterious machine. She asks if it's poison, and he says yes. And she drinks it anyway. <laughs> Well, obviously, it's the liar's dilemma, right? I don't know if that's the actual phrase, but it's uh, if they're lying, they would say, no, it's not poison. If they're telling the truth, they would say, no, it's not poison. But if he if he's, says, yes, it is poison, then either he's lying and it's not, or he's telling the truth and she's willingly drinking poison. Yeah, I mean, she also has the option of saying, no, thank you. I mean, I guess. I mean, that's just, it ended up being, I guess, really good wine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it worked out for her. Great. Um, I mean, what are the chances he was actually going to poison someone, right? Because he, he was looking around really giddy trying to find someone to show off to. So he, she was probably going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, I like this guy. He's just like, he's super positive. He, I feel like I'm, I've been overdosed with negativity from Jessica Jones. I think that's what has <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just like Probably. everything in Agent Carter is just so great and happy, and there's a flamingo for reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, she finds out from Doctor Wilkes that um, he knows exactly who the victim is. It's Jane Scott, a particle physicist, and he has rumors. There have been rumors of her relationship with um, the the owner of Isentine Energies. You know sexually as he wanted to remind her well he just wants to make sure that she understand what what he was saying yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right anything else for this section inside isodine nope i've i've got nothing for uh for that all right so here we go well detective and- hen well what well, I was going to interrupt you, but since since you stopped, I'll just keep interrupting you. Uh, before okay. we start with that, 
<laughs> let's uh, let's take a quick break because you know we we have to pay the bills and we have ad breaks and all that stuff. So um, we'll go ahead and and talk about the thing we're contractually obligated to talk about. So uh, remember, today's episode takes place in 1947, and you know what else came out in the 40s? No, Tony. but we established this earlier. That's right, Tony. The Frisbee, which at the time was called a flying saucer because they flew through the air and were used to transport hot sauce. And today's episode (laughs) is brought to you by none other than the greatest of all flying saucers out there, Jameson's High Flying Frisbees. They have every single feature you could ever want in a Frisbee. Divots to make a cool sound as it flies through the air? Check. A small inlet to hold your hot sauce? Check. A carrying case? Triple check. Seriously, it comes with three carrying cases. A GPS to make sure you don't lose it? No. No one will actually use that. You would have to pair it up with your phone, which means you have to make an account, and then that's like 10 minutes of your life you're never going to get back. It's too much of a hassle. Not worth it. These Frisbees do not have a GPS, which is a feature. So go to your favorite big box store, try out the Frisbees they have in stock to see which one you like the most, then go online and find a better price. Okay. <laughs> so accurate, it hurts. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Oh, you haven't seen Back to the Future, have you? Nope. I think we've I've seen. This. I've seen many scenes, but I've not seen an entire movie. Maybe I've seen enough in... scenes for a, a total movie. Sorry to keep yeah. cutting you off. But there <laughs> no, were sorry. two, right? There were three. Because what? Uh, what I'm about to reference is Back to the Future 3. Oh. Yeah. Um. So, I'm not sure if you're wrong or Back to the Future Three is wrong. I'm going to bet <laughs> you because movies are never wrong. Oh. <laughs> um. In Back to the Future Three, he goes to the Old West, and there's a fair, and there's a pie eating contest, and he looks inside the pie, and the pie eating the pie tin is frisbee. <laughs> and he's talking to these people from the Old West. And he goes, "Hey, frisbee, far out!" And they're like, and he walks away. He's like. What do you mean far out? It was right there in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> but fly, um, I'm wondering if Frisbees really came out in the 1800s and were used as pythons originally and then people threw them or if your people's Frisbees are bullshit. I have no idea. Um, I saw this online today and like trying to look up what stuff was invented in the, in the 40s. And they said... Do your research, first, man! Uh, I, I will say this. It wasn't until 1948 that the rubber Frisbee was invented. Oh, God. Or that's... plastic, that the plastic one was invented. Before that, they were all metal. That's painful. Yeah. But also really on par for um, old toys. <laughs> that's that's I, very I, true. I think of uh, lawn darts mostly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right. Next section. Uh-huh. While Detective Henry is against pursuing the Chadwick lead, Susan and Carter disagree. Carter meets with Mrs. Jarvis to get ready for their next mission. At the racetrack, they identify Chadwick and his wife, Whitney Frost. While Jarvis distracts Frost, Carter confronts Chadwick. So just gotta say, Frozen Woman, there's a lady named Whitney Frost in a comic book show. show. Is it, Do we need any other suspects? No. I mean, case closed. 
Done. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's end the podcast. All right. I'll click the All stop right. recording button. Okay. Anyway, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we need to talk about the obvious 1940s racism because that's my oh. next note. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Detective Henry refers to Wilkes as the janitor, which I don't know if I picked up on before. I might have. This has been three years since I watched this. But it's that's blatant racism because they think a black guy can't be a scientist in the forties, or at least mm-hmm. he does. Yeah. So yeah, I, cool. I don't think I I don't remember if I noticed that the first time, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's important even with a show as campy as this to like point that out. They weren't cool back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, season one was um, you know pretty good about the pointing out the sexism at least so this season that they yeah. i think they're kind of branching out into other things too a little bit so mm-hmm. that's a reminder that um history sucks if you are not a white guy pretty much yeah. yep well unless you want to go get a dinosaur you can be any race for that that's that's true yeah because yep. <laughs> <laughs> i mean if i had a time machine that's literally all i'm doing so <laughs> Finding a triceratops to tra- a baby triceratops to train. <laughs> it won't go badly at all. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Nope. If you have the technology for a, for a time machine, I'm sure you have other cool technology too. Yeah, like a really big leash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. So, Mrs. Jarvis, the polar opposite of Mr. Jarvis. Um. Is uh, I think I consider her Peggy's Q. If <laughs> as someone who's not a uh, James Bond fan, I hope I got the character's name right. <laughs> I was wondering if you were referring to the James Bond character or the uh, Star Trek character. So okay, the James Bond. <laughs> no, but but if she was Peggy's Q, the Star Trek character, that would be a much more interesting show. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. <laughs> A lot more uh, far out there than we were expecting. For the season. Mrs. Jarvis, my my pan-dimensional being of a wife. <laughs> <laughs> now, is Q from Star Trek the same Q from James Bond? I'm going to say yes. You know, it's entirely possible, so I'll take it. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So, um, yeah, nowhere to go from there, so we'll just move on. I have no segue whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> Whitney Frost. <laughs> uh, the the star of the movie Tales of Suspense, which is, as I said earlier, the comic where Jason Wilkes comes from, and Whitney Frost was originally oh. from Tales of Suspense number 97. Oh, and so many other characters, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone like, starts there. Yeah, Doctor Strange started there. Um, I think Iron Man started there. And probably Did... more people. <laughs> Spider-Man comes to mind, but I'm not sure. I don't think so. No, um, Spider-Man was Amazing Fantasy, number 15. Uh, okay. So, like, that's the only one that number I know right away, other than, like, you know, Batman and Superman, who's real got real easy with Action Comics number one and Detective Comics number one. Mm-hmm losers <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, but I'm not going to tell you anything that happens to Whitney Frost because spoilers for this show. That's fair. Um, however, Mr. Jarvis uh, had to distract her and he had to uh, tell her about a, a movie that Stark is making. Um, so the movie, The British Are Coming, which I looked up on IMDb. Uh, it is a real movie. Oh. Uh, came out in 1993. It has a 6.3 out of 10 rating. There is no description. Also, it's an adult film. So oh, okay. don't look that up. Yep. <laughs> How do they spell coming? Never mind. Don't answer that. Um, <laughs> in the normal English way, not the adult way. Not like the guy who played Nightcrawler in X-Men 2? <laughs> Think about that for a second. Uh, no, not He's like... British. He's English. <laughs> Be like more specific. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that, that that was my first thought when I realized um, it was an adult film. I was like, wait, how did they spell that word? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, all right. <laughs> anyway, that's anyway. it. <laughs> Let's get away from this. That was good. Yeah. Um, too bad TV hadn't been invented in 1940, or it had been invented, but it wasn't widely used in 1947. Because uh, Jarvis kind of... Um, pitches as you said the peggy carter the movie but i think she would be much more appropriate as peggy carter the tv show is that fair because we only know her as a lead of a tv show i mean we we've seen her in in movies but uh Mm, i mean i i do like i like the tv show format because we get so much more of the character there's i saw a thing on reddit the other day not to bring it back to this character again, but we're going to talk about this character again. In the entire MCU, the character with the most screen time is Jessica Jones. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if you think about her show, she's had three seasons on Netflix, and almost every single scene has her in it. That's true. Plus, she was in The Defenders, so she was in... You know, an extra six episodes. I think it was six episodes? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Follow. I remember it was, I saw the top three. It was um, Jessica Jones, then uh, Matt Murdock, and then Phil Coulson. And like, Phil Coulson has a lot more episodes, but he also shares screen time with a lot of other characters. Yeah, that's true. And like, so many episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are also like, you know, like maybe different parts of the teams and then you have the bad guys too so yeah you're right Mickey. he probably gets way less uh time like in comparison and then i mean he was even in some of the movies but i mean even those were a small amount of screen time huh yeah but to bring it back to peggy if you compare her screen time to captain america's screen time she's been has more screen time than he does most likely oh yeah i'm sure yeah I don't want to do the math. I bet someone out there has done it. But not me. <laughs> Woohoo! Saved you some time. Yep. We'll ask the internet so, later on. Yeah. So, Jessica... Oh, Jessica. Whoops. So, Peggy... <laughs> does, uh, like... Dresses up, pretends to be... Uh, a supporter of... Um, this guy who I've already forgotten his name. I want to call him Credence. Quentin Clearwater, but that's from a different show. Chadwick. <laughs> something Chadwick. <laughs> uh, uh, Chadwick um, 
So she does the ruse, all that stuff, and just calls them out in front of everybody about how to get the information. That's not very spy-like, in my opinion. It's not very rusey, or however you would say it. <laughs> Whatever I'm saying is wrong, but you get my drift. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. Um, the only thing I could think of to maybe argue in her favor is that maybe she like picked up really quickly on the type of character he is, and she knows that this way works better on him. Did it? Probably not. Did she get any information? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think she did. She just yeah. was asked to leave. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so I guess maybe more ruseful would have been better. Yeah, maybe. It was a bad gamble <laughs> on her part. Yep. All right. You ready to move on? Yes, I am. All right. Later, they go back to the coroner's office and find the doctor frozen solid. They call in Dr. Wilkes and Detective Henry, and Detective Henry takes him hostage. He is the person who has been freezing things. Carter's who is a find them at Detective as Detective Henry is freezing solid. Before they can question him, an overzealous cop shoots and shatters him. Soon it is revealed that the overzealous cop was not overzealous at all, but perfectly zealous, and paid off by Chadwick and Frost. <gasps> yep. I don't know if I used the word zealous correctly, but I feel like it was accurate. <laughs> <laughs> is that a word? Zealous? I'm sh If there's overzealous... And zeal is a thing. I'm sure zealous is a word. Okay, you're probably, probably right. <laughs> <laughs> the silence went on for a little too long. Lost confidence there. <laughs> Let's just assume that is a word and we'll move on. Yeah, uh, um, I, yeah, I mean, we're really bad at talking about action scenes. And the this last thing is basically just the action scene, right? They They go... They save, um, uh, Marta. you know, I hate the beginning of seasons because I, I J forget the Wilkes. Uh, character's Jason name. Wilkes. Yep. Wilkes. Um, yeah, so they save Wilkes. Um, the other officer is dead, which sucks because they could have gotten a lot of information out of him probably. Yeah. And the coroner's dead. This has a oh, high yeah. body count. Uh-huh. That's right. <clears throat> what would you get? what supervillain name would you give, uh, the detective? Oh, the one that died there? Yeah. I'm thinking something like, you know, Mr. Freeze, or maybe like Killer Frost, or, I mean, those sound familiar, but I think those are good. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Icy McIce Face. <laughs> I think we have a winner. Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. It also explains why he's been acting like he's had a cold this whole shit time. Because he, if he touches somebody, like shakes their hand, they will freeze, and that's probably a dead giveaway. He's freezing. He's icy McIce face. So, do do you get cold when you have a cold? I thought that's when you have a fever. No, I mean he he said like the first time we meet him, he's yeah. sneezing. He doesn't want to shake his hand because he has a cold. I feel like he doesn't really have a cold. He's been pretending he has a cold so he doesn't have to shake people's hands. Oh no no I'm I'm with you there. I just was wondering like is the cold the right um illness? Oh. Um 
no. Okay. Real confident on that answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you have fever, you feel cold, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, maybe he does feel cold. He can't warm up. It's That's literally true. the problem. Yeah. He's wearing a full suit outside on the hottest day in L.A. of the year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I've got one last teeny tiny section. That's good, because I don't have any. All right. We see Dr. Wilkes looking at a spinning black substance, which I instantly thought was gravitonium. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It may be. Or it may not be. We'll see. I was going to bring up the exact same thing. Yeah. Almost exactly, because I also don't remember if it's one of the things that like leads to gravitonium later, or if we find out more in the later in the season. I don't remember at all. We do because I I like, you know, when I'm looking for Easter eggs, I'll go on the MCU wiki so I know <laughs> whether or not it's gravitonium. But I won't spoil it for you or our listeners. Oh, but I want to know. Not too bad. <laughs> Fine, I'll just wait a couple of weeks. Okay. All right. For all I know, when we re- we start recording the next episode, I might just spoil it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> That's true. All right. That wouldn't be the first time. Yep. Are you ready to wrap this up? Yeah. Sounds good to me. So, all right, everyone. So, this was season Wait, two. I totally episode. forgot. Oh. You were not ready to wrap this up. Oh. Okay. Well, Al, then. Al, how many un- un- unfreezable ice cubes would you give this episode? <laughs> Uh, hmm. You're talking about like stone ice unmeltable. cubes? Unmeltable. Unmeltable ice cubes. Oh, unmeltable. Stones can melt. Okay, that's fair. Um, unmeltable <laughs> ice cubes. Um, I'm assuming it's out of five, right? Because I forget if we do yeah. five again. We do five. Okay, we do it so infrequently. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, this was a fun start. I'm giving it four. Yeah, I'll give it. A, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a four point one. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Just to you know. <laughs> <laughs> to, to get up. some of that conflict in there. <laughs> Alright, that's good. And you're you're I'm sure you're the closest without going over. Yep. <laughs> um also I just had a thought. Did they ever thaw out the um the lake or can I still go to LA right now and there's a frozen lake? I don't know. Tony, I think you need to take a road trip. It's a lot easier for I you will. Than me. It's true. Alright. So you sign off, Al, I'm getting my car. I'll let you okay. know. All right. Call you in six hours. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. In the meantime, let me read this thing I started reading earlier. Hey, everyone. This was Agent Carter Season 2, Episode 1. Uh, and great. Now I have to scroll up. The Lady in the Lake. <laughs> um, so join us next week when we'll be talking about uh, Episode 2 of Season 2 A View in the Dark. And in the meantime, please remember to follow us on Twitter. We are at MCU underscore Rewind. Um, and you know, like every podcast, we greatly appreciate any kind of ratings that you can give us, preferably five stars in whatever podcasting app you use. And until next time, this is Marvel Cinematic Rewind signing off. Have a marvelous day. Just turn me loose. Let me straddle my old saddle underneath the western skies. On my cayuse, let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise. I want to ride to the ridge where the west commences, gaze at the moon till I lose my senses, 
Can't look at hobbles and I can't stand fences. Don't stand. 